This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Invited back to our program, our good friend, the number one New York Times bestselling author, one of the best thriller novelists out there, uh, Mr. James Rollins. James is going to come on and talk to us about his latest book, The Demon Crown. So we want to talk to him a little bit about that, see how that fits into uh, the rest of the Sigma Force series, and see about what's up with the uh, the characters that we know and love or hate so well, <laughs> and maybe some new characters in there as well. So it's going to be an exciting time. Always great to talk about the latest book with James Rollins. So everybody, just hang tight. We're going to come back after these commercial breaks. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Joining us now is our good friend, the number one New York Times bestselling author, and in my opinion, probably the best suspense novelist out there, James Rollins. James, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Well, great to have you on board, and congratulations on the latest, The Demon Crown. Appreciate that. Excited to see this debut. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about the book and maybe how it uh, fits into the rest of the uh, Sensational Sigma Force series and maybe how there's some departures and uh, some new thrills in there. Sure. Well, this story is number 13 in the series. Not that you have to read them in any order. I think no (laughs) one's read my books in in the proper order. I wish they would, but they don't, which is (laughs) totally fine. But in this book, and to quote my editor, it's, she describes it as my most frightening book to date, and I'm not about to argue with her. But I think it is one of the scariest books I've ever written. But basically, the story starts out when a, a group of scientists, they travel to an island off the coast of Brazil, and they discover that all life on that island has been eradicated. It's gone. It's been consumed by a species that's beyond imagination, freaks them out. Before they can report their discovery, the scientists are all attacked and killed. But this one event sort of blows up into a, into a global threat when the same species that was on that island is unleashed as a weapon across the Hawaiian Islands. And as people begin to die by the hundreds, it appears the only way to, to, to stop this from even spreading globally is to nuke those islands. But, of course, my uh, team of heroes, Sigma Force, is called in to try to discover the origin of the species, where it came from, and find a way to destroy it. But the species is a little stubborn little guy. It's uh, changing, spreading, uh, surviving every attempt to stop it. And uh, But what's sort of frightening about this book, and I'm sort of hedging myself a little bit by not revealing what that threat exactly is, it's one of the threats that Homeland Security has classified as a prime danger against the U.S., 
I this was sort of the seed for this novel was I had read this list of, of concerns that Homeland Security has for the United States, and I was surprised to see this threat raised. And this threat basically is a biological threat, and it's one that uh, concerns uh, Homeland Security enough that I decided I better write a book about it. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. So it's it's a feel-good novel before Christmas, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, it takes place in Hawaii, so it's like a little Hawaiian vacation for readers. You know, it's perfectly timed for Christmas so that you, if you want that little winter holiday, the little beach vacation, and of course, the Sigma Adventure, you're not going to get a lot of rest and relaxation during this trip, but... uh Hopefully it will, if nothing else, entertain. There you go. Yeah, I was getting. Uh, I, I love seeing the islands. Love seeing the different uh, locations you go to. I was worried because Hawaii is obviously, uh, along with probably everybody else, one of my all-time favorite places. So uh, it's like I got to make sure Hawaii stays in place. So <laughs> glad Sigma Force was on the scene. That's good. Well, tell us then a little bit about maybe uh, some of the characters that we're familiar with from the uh, the, the past um, series, as well as maybe some new characters and what they bring to the table. Sure. Well, Sigma Force, uh, they're, for those that aren't familiar, they're a group of Special Forces soldiers that were drummed out of the service for various reasons. But because of special aptitudes or skills or uh, intelligence, they were recruited in secret by DARPA, which is the Defense Department's uh, Defense and Research and Development Wing. And so they're basically retrained in secret to be field agents for DARPA to protect the, you know, our shores and various shores against various global threats. So in this, uh, you know, the usual team uh, comes up to bat, but of course uh, they need to recruit a few extra skilled individuals to help them. In this case, we find a Hawaiian fireman that sort of stumbles upon this adventure along with the members of Sigma Force that are called into play, and uh, he gets sort of uh, semi-recruited, so he's a great deal of fun. He's sort of almost a comic relief character in the book a little bit. Good. Um, we also have an a, a, a entomologist, you know, you have the scientist on that team. Uh, it's an entomologist that works for the National Zoo that is called in to uh, explore this new threat. And, of course, we've got the usual cast of characters. There's Commander Grayson Pierce, who's sort of the leader of the team. Uh, he's along with his usual cast of uh, characters with Sigma Force. Uh, and uh, there's a little bit of uh, a little extra surprise for Gray in the fact that uh, he finds out that his girlfriend may be pregnant. But uh, I don't want to tell more than that. So that's <laughs> one of the major elements of the story. Oh, boy. Another twist and turn. So let me I'm envisioning you in your we'll say it's your office. I won't sure. say it's a, a your deep dungeon or your treehouse retreat whatever it may be, <laughs> but uh you're sitting there and you're thinking about okay, I've got this series and you know it's it's 13th in the series, so I know I have to bring back some of the characters that people are going to be familiar with otherwise my uh, fan base will kill me. So I've got to do that. How do you go about planning the the whole plot and the scenario, the locations and and what the team going to be doing this time compared to what they did last time well one of the you know initially i resisted doing series i didn't want to do a series all my our first stories were all individual adventures it was only uh upon some pressure from my publishing house that i finally broke down and wrote a series because I, I had this problem what i call the jessica fletcher syndrome you've all seen murder she mm-hmm. wrote mm-hmm. jessica fletcher all right stumbled across dead bodies every week i've never <laughs> never stumbled over a dead body so i always had that sort of problem with serious characters why is that one serious character always getting into such mischief Unless, of course, the last revelation of the last episode of Murder, she wrote was that she was a serial killer and she's been framing everybody all along. That don't make sense. But, uh, <laughs> so I resisted doing a series because of that problem. But I thought if I make a series based on a group, 
rather than an individual, that can have a little more fun for several reasons. Number one, the threat can come from many different directions. But also I can, in different books, shine a spotlight on a different character and have them come to the forefront a little bit more and explore their, their background a little more intensely. And then the next book, shift that spotlight again. But what's even better is that you know, if you're watching Murder, She Wrote, and somebody puts a gun against Jessica Fletcher's head, you know that trigger's never going to be pulled as much as you might want them to pull that trigger. It never gets pulled because it's going to be next week's episode. Whereas if I have a cast of characters, a group, you know, no one's safe because at this point, Sigma Force can always recruit a new member to replace somebody that is uh, that does not survive one of my adventures. So I like the fact that I can maintain Jeopardy. And unfortunately, I've done that occasionally where there's been some surprising deaths in this series, and I won't say if that is the case in this book. There you go. And then how's your fan base respond to that? Uh, do you get a mixed uh, bag of, thank God you got rid of that guy or gal, or is it, uh, oh, oh, how dare you, James, doing that? I would doing say that. About, about 80%, I'm never going to read you again, and about 20%, you know, well, I guess that's okay. Cause, and I'm okay with that. I want that strong response, you know, because it's uh, if you're having that strong response, then I'm doing my job. I've, I've, I've made you, I've bonded you with that character so that if I do... Uh, happen to have them uh, not survive an adventure. Uh, you know, want it to hit home. So I want, I want to basically maintain the sense that there is, you know, true jeopardy. You know, we've all seen shows where they, the main hero seems like such a superhuman that they're almost unbelievable. And I, I right. like to try to make my characters as, as well-rounded as possible. You know, Gray has been balancing his personal life and his professional life. He's been dealing in the past few books with aging parents, one who has Alzheimer's. And so he's got the global threat he must deal with, but at the same time, he's you know has his heart strings being pulled by his family responsibilities. And the, us as individuals, we always are trying to balance our professional and personal lives. It's always sort of a, a juggling act. And I think when we see the you know a character in one of my novels doing the same, we can relate better to them. So that if I do hang that character off a cliff, you know hopefully they're going to care whether they fall off that cliff. It is amazing to me because the uh, especially when you're talking about a novel and a ser- in a particular series, you know these characters become part of our cloth as fans. You know they're part of our family, and we look forward to opening up that book and seeing what they're up to. And I do too. I mean, when I write the novel, you know it's it's always fun to to revisit a character, especially with a character. One of the group has like vanished for a couple books to have them come, you know, step back onto onto stage, is as much a thrill for me. You know, I've gone ahead and pulled characters from some of my individual standalone adventures because I liked them so much that I, I pulled them, you know, from one of the old books and had them uh, make an appearance in one of my Sigma books. Yeah, that's great. It's almost like uh, an appearance by uh, Iron Man in a Marvel Marvel movie. Exactly. You never expected it. <laughs> You always tease my wife when we're watching a uh, you know a, a show a drama in particular and and you know the main character is never going to get killed off but for some reason he gets uh, falls off a cliff and I'm like oh man who are they going to get to replace him I don't know and of course she rolls her eyes like you idiot you know he's he's never going to there's certain people you can kill off and then other ones yeah you better not unless you plan on just getting rid of the series and yeah, and uh, George R. R Martin. And then you can wipe off your entire cast and start over again. Yeah, that's right. Just start it all over again. Yeah. Or if you're a horror writer, you know, how many times is uh, Michael or Chucky or somebody come back to life? So that's true. <laughs> it works out well. All right. Well, listen, we're going to take a commercial break here real quick. We'll come back and talk to uh, James Rollins a little bit more about the book, uh, The Demon Crown, and also talk to him about his writing in general. Pick his brain a little bit about how he's so successful in what he does and how he goes about doing his craft. So it's going to be great. So everybody, hang tight. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. 
you think that you're rescuing them, but honestly, they're going to end up rescuing you. You don't know what they've gone through, and they're not going to be perfect. And they are so happy that you are taking a chance on them to be a part of your family. I urge you to go down to your local shelters, pounds, dog rescues, foundations, you name it, and rescue a dog. Once you get your rescue dog, you should definitely order some Dinovite. Go online and order it. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. <laughs> Dinovite. It's awesome stuff. 90 days of Dinovite will make your dog a happy dog. It will help them with their overall health. You don't need to spend thousands on vet bills. Dinovite is the best thing that's ever happened to my dogs, you know, besides me, of course. <laughs> Call 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. We continue our uh, conversation with our good friend, the uh, number one New York Times bestselling author, James Rollins. James, when everybody uh, picks up a copy of the book, The Demon Crown, and reads through it, with this book as well as the series or anything that you write, what do you hope they walk away from? I mean, what is, is it a, uh, a certain feeling you hope they get, or is there some underlying uh, message that you're trying to share to get people to wake up a little bit? Well, I mean, definitely my primary goal is to entertain. You know, I want you turning page late to the night. You know, if somebody calls me or emails me and says, you know, hey, I, I missed my morning meeting because I was up to the middle of the night reading your book. Great. Love that. But, of course, to me, you know, the better pat on the back is when someone says that some aspect of the story, whether it's the history, whether it's the science, whether it's one of the locations, whether it's the character. At the end of my book, I have a sort of what's true and what's not, where I pull aside the curtain and reveal how much of the book is real and how much it's not and where some of this has come from. And so one of the greatest compliments I get is when someone says, hey, you know, I was interested in that science you raised in that book, and so you had that reference at the end of the end of your novel, and I went and did my own exploration into that subject matter. Because to me, that means the novel worked, uh, not just as a popcorn entertainment, but, you know, when you've closed that book, it's had some resonance, it's had some, some effect. So my goal is, you know, is to entertain, but also hopefully leave something behind. So that, uh, you know, my goal in my novels is sort of to expose the, my readers to the, some of the wonders of the world. I, I'm a very much of a naturalist. I have a veterinary background. So I introduce a lot of animals and a lot of different landscapes and raise concerns about whether it's climate change or whether it's environmental issues. In this book, a major uh, part of the story deals with the Pacific Garbage Patch, this big sort of swirling uh, garbage field that's in the middle of the Pacific that plays sort of a role in the story. So it allows me to have an adventure. You know, it's a great for cogs and wheels of an exciting little part of the story, but also it's exposing something that's going on in the real world about this uh, this situation in the Pacific. Yeah, and I applaud you for that. I mean, it's always cool. That's one of the things, obviously, you're on Pet Life Radio, so we've got to have an animal in there, and I know your background as a veterinarian comes into play as well. So it's like a, you, you get the best of both worlds here, a great uh, novelist as well as a uh, someone who actually knows what they're talking about when it comes to animals. Yeah, um, book I wanted to, you know, I've, in the past I've done point-of-view characters with, with dogs, with my Tucker Wayne and Kane, my military war dog. I wrote scenes from the dog's point of view, and in prior books, I wrote scenes from a the point of view of a sign language speaking gorilla. In this book, I decided to go uh, a little more creepy crawly. We're writing from the point of view of a sort of insidious wasp species and all the different incarnations of it. And so it was a great deal of fun trying to figure out a way to put my readers into the mindset 
and not just you know the Disney version where my wasps break into song in the middle of the book. <laughs> I wanted them to be authentic, so I talked to a bunch of entomologists and, and found out what are the you know what are the how do they experience the world and you know what does it mean to have a swarm intelligence. And so I try to capture that in this book also to try to sort of give an idea of what it might be like to be such an insect. Yeah, exactly. So it's always always fascinating to see the the different characters and how you bring the animal life to such a uh, a thrilling novel. Earlier, you were talking about blending in things from the like homeland security as well as some of the hot topics of the day. When you go to write a novel, obviously, you're, I'm assuming you're already in the works or have it mostly done. Your next one. Uh, yep. Coming out, so we'll we'll talk about that next time around. But when you go to, into writing this, and is there certain topics and hot points that you're wanting to cover as far as getting a message out or something of this sort? And then how does the latest craze in this crazy world alter your original plan, your alter your original thinking about, especially nowadays when uh, things seem to be in constant turmoil in the world today? And that is a challenge. I mean, I'm, whenever I, I'm constructing a novel, I'm always looking for three things. I'm looking for that historical mystery, you know, a piece of history that maybe ended in a question mark, something I can solve within the pages of the novel. But I'm also looking for that bit of science that makes it go, you know, what if, uh, try to see where that science is headed and see if I can't build a story around that. And then I'm looking for a, you know, some location where I can crash those two things together, that history and that science together. But... I always love to be as, as cutting edge as I can. You know, I'm always trying to get that rip from the headline feeling with my novels. So I'm always talking to these these experts, trying to get you know the newest and most up to date information I can when I'm constructing my novel. Because I know that as fast as is, especially when it comes to science and technology, it changes so rapidly that I've had to alter books on the fly as I'm writing them. Is that uh, you know I'm thinking this is where the current level of, of this technology is, or this is what people believe is true for this aspect of science. I'm writing the novel based on that, and as I'm halfway through the novel, information comes out that totally changes that. I mentioned before I wrote a, a book about a sign language-speaking gorilla. In that book, I was I raised the, I had a whole conversation between this uh, the scientist, this biologist, and another character about the fact that the U.S. at that time was the only Western power that was still doing research on great apes. And we didn't have a ban on great ape research, and other Western nations did. And so this whole sort of argument that occurs midway through the book, and then by the time I finished the book, the U.S. finally got on, on board and banned uh, great apes research. So I had to go back and, and change that part of the novel to match what had changed. So I'm always having to keep sort of, I'm typing with one hand, and then I have my ear to the ground with my, you know, as I'm trying to make sure that everything's staying current. Yeah, and, and I can imagine that'd be a pretty uh, hard task to juggle because uh, there's certain messages you have to have or certain content that you want to put in your book that keeps the series in, in particular consistent and keeps the uh, the characters in the books uh, in place. Then you've got these, you know, as good any good novelist, you have these hidden messages, these little things you're wanting people to think about and give some maybe some their own research in. And then all of a sudden this hot topic comes across, and you've got to put that in there because that sells books. <laughs> you know, so and plus it's somewhat interesting, but it does. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, it so, is a juggling act for sure. I mean, it is. It's trying to. And this, and I've written thirty. This is my thirty-third book, by the way. Wow. And every time I get to the middle of the book, and I've got so many of these juggling balls in the air at this point that I'm not sure I'm gonna. They're gonna land where I want them to land. That I become convinced in the middle of the novel that I've lost all ability to write. That this book is a piece of crap. That I should just throw it away. And then I, but I just sort of put my head down and crank through to the end. And then it's, oh, this is this. Well, just fine. I don't know what I was worried about. Surely I won't do that again. Well, 33 times later, I, apparently that is my pattern. <laughs> I'm doomed right in the middle of the book 
to have this major <laughs> panic attack. Well, when you get in those situations, Dave, just uh, you know, use your, your hidden pin name. You can use my name. Just slap my name <laughs> on the book. It'd be fine. I'll take the blame. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Oh, goodness. Well, then tell everybody a little bit about what's going on. I know you got a, a nice tour coming up here, so maybe they, they can get out to a city near them to see you and meet you and pick your brain a little bit. Uh, where can people find out more about the book, the tour, and everything you got going on? Yeah, I'll be on tour for almost three weeks throughout almost the entire month of December. And you can find out go to jamesrollins.com, my website. That's sort of my encyclopedia of knowledge about the books, and you can, there's an you know, appearance link. But you know, you'll find me on Facebook and Twitter to an obnoxious extent. And you can all that's posted there, too, if you want to find out where I'm at. That's the place to find out about the books, about myself, and about my dogs. Join me on Facebook. There you go. So keep track of all your wonderful activities going on, and especially about your dogs. We've got to keep track of what's going on with them. Anything fun, new, and exciting to, uh, to share on the, uh, the animal front, both on a personal level or anything you're seeing interesting uh, or topical as in the uh, industry? Well, I've got my two Goldens here. They're actually at my feet right now looking at me like, Dad, you're supposed to be walking right now. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that's always, uh, I love to explore my novels. It's what's new and exciting when it comes to the, the world of pets and animals. And uh, I don't want to say too much because I have another book coming out next year, and it specifically is, uh, deals with uh, some major subjects with animals. All right. All right. We'll definitely get, get us on the calendar for that because we definitely, uh, this is what we're all about. We love, we love the novels, love the books, love uh, learning. But uh, when it, at the end of the day, it's the uh, furry, finned, and feathered friends that we're, uh, we're most concerned about here. So, well, it's good that your, uh, your furry family's keeping you intact. I won't hold you too much longer on that front. One last thing as far as any topics, you may not be able to share this because of the book, upcoming book, but any topics you're seeing from the uh, veterinarian front or anything you're seeing from uh, that side that people need to be aware of. Well, I mean, I wrote an article for Costco magazine specifically about the, and this goes back to my veterinary days because I would, I would drill this into everybody during the holiday season. There's a huge number of holiday threats out there for our pets. Right. Uh, whether it comes in, maybe it's familiar with, you know, how toxic chocolate is. A lot of people aren't aware of how dangerous tinsel is to cats. Uh, as a veterinary practice, it seems like every single year I was having to, to remove tinsel from a, a cat's belly that forms a linear, uh, linear body obstruction. Cords. Everybody's plugging everything in. And again, almost every year I get one or two animals that have electrical burns in their mouths. So just, uh, you know, it's a wonderful season. It's a joyous season, but uh, be mindful of uh, those threats out there to our pets. Keep your veterinary uh, telephone number handy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I always tell people that too. You know, in, in the work that I do, it's uh, you know, not only the the little hazards they can get into and the feeding. Obviously, we overeat during the time, and we feel uh, the need to share, and that's not always a good thing. Uh, seldom is a good thing, we'll say. And then just keeping an eye on the pets. You know, we get caught up in all of our uh, traveling around, and as well as uh, family members, friends coming over, and oftentimes uh, we forget that uh, fluffier spot. Yeah, so keep an eye on those pets during the holidays. All right, well, fantastic. Well, everybody go out and pick up a copy of the book. It's James Rollins' latest, greatest, The Demon Crown. We're excited about it. Congratulations again, James, for the uh, the book. Everybody go out and see him on tour. Follow him online. Follow him on uh, the social media sites. Uh, you'll be glad you did. And uh, we're excited to have you back on board, and you, you have a happy holiday. You too, and hopefully I'll speak to you this time next year. Yeah, look forward to it. Look forward to it. 
All right. Well, we're coming to the end of the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank our uh, producers and sponsors for making this show possible. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, people you want to see on the show, anything that you want to share with us, you can always email us at PetLifeRadio.com. Go to the website and email us, and we'll be glad to uh, answer your questions and entertain your comments and try to bring on the people you want to hear from most. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Share it in a book, a magazine, an article, or on a blog, and who knows? You may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.